the passage of scripture that we're going to look at today is it's God's perspective on something really, really important. So would you turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 42. Uh, last week, we, we, uh, Jesus' disciples were secretly arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And so Jesus, if you remember, he pulls this little child into his arms. And he says, hey guys, you want to talk about status? How about being the greatest is being low in status, like this child, which in their culture was. And then John changes the subject. Uh, Jesus addresses John's concerns, and then Jesus brings him right back to this child in his arms. And this is where we begin in verse 42. Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone around their neck and thrown into the sea. Here's a picture of a millstone. This is the kind that Jesus was referring to. It's the kind that would be pulled by a donkey. It would be one that you could not lift. And so if this millstone was tied around your neck and you were thrown into the sea, you were not coming back. What Jesus was saying was that it would be better to have been cast down into the depths of the sea than to cast down someone's innocence. Because sin always leads to death in some way or another. And maybe when you were younger, maybe at a time where you were vulnerable, maybe somebody took advantage of you. Someone led you into sin and maybe there was the death of your innocence. And if that happened to you, I just want to say that I'm sorry. And that was not God's character. And I hope that God brings you, if he hasn't already, to a place of healing where that scar no longer takes away your joy, but that you experience God's love and you know that he loves you. But my first point is that leading into sin is a big deal to God because it leads to some form of death. Whether it be the death of your innocence or a death of a relationship, or the death of your integrity, or the death of brain cells, like when my brother was led into sin in junior high doing drugs, God does not want that. So leading anyone into sin is a big deal to God. Let's read on. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where... As Jesus quotes Isaiah chapter 66, their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Is Jesus saying we should cut off our limbs? Have you ever been to Yosemite 
Anybody? When I was a child, we went to Yosemite and we went to this, we hiked up to this place called Vernal Fall. Vernal Fall is a, it's a waterfall where the Merced River comes down and it goes over the precipice and 317 feet down it, it dumps onto some rocks and boulders. It's a beautiful waterfall. Here's a picture. We'll put that up. Debbie, go ahead and put that waterfall picture up. And at the top of the waterfall, there's a guardrail. There we go. In 2011, three young adults, a 27-year-old named Nino, a 22-year-old named David, and a 21-year-old named Ramina, they went up for the day on a Tuesday to Yosemite, and they hiked up to the top of Vernal Fall. Ramina climbs over the guardrail. David and Nino follow her. And about 25 feet from that spot right there, she wades into the river to a rock in the middle of the river. And people are yelling at them to get out. And the three of them get to the rock and Ramina begins to slip. And one of the young men reaches out to help her and he falls in. And then the other one goes to help and he and Ramina both fall in together. Now, that water flowing over that granite for as long as it has, has polished the granite underneath to the smoothness of a water slide. There's no way of standing back up. And they were, they didn't have enough time to swim the shore. And the three of them at 1.30 p.m. went over the edge together. One bystander says, he will forever take away the look on one of the men's face as he was floating down the river, knowing he was going to die, but nobody could help him. They didn't come back. This passage in scripture that we're looking at, it's a guardrail. It's a warning sign like the one that they didn't heed. Because God's perspective is that sin leads to death. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, the, the guys, that, the four people that tried to do uh, retail robbery at the Camarillo outlets at the sunglass store, he wasn't saying they should cut their arms off or their legs for going there or their eyes for lusting after the merchandise. Jesus was speaking to a culture that understood that self-harm was not a part of God's will. In fact, in that day and age, if you had cut off a limb, you probably would be murdering yourself because you would either bleed out or die of infection. What Jesus was saying was, guys, listen, anything is better than hell. And the word hell that Jesus used in the Greek was actually a place. It was, it was called Gohenna. It was on the south side of Jerusalem in the Old Testament times. It was a place where children were sacrificed to idols. It was a detestable place. It was a place in Jesus' time where there was, it was a trash heap. There was constant burning, burning of trash, burning of animal carcasses, even convicted criminals. It was very vivid imagery that Jesus used because God doesn't want anyone to go there. 
well, wait a second, Pastor Kevin. If God doesn't want anybody to go there, then why doesn't he just let everybody go into heaven? Because God is a just God. It's part of his character. And so when the devil and his angels rebelled against God, God created hell as a place of punishment because justice is part of his nature. And in the garden, Adam and Eve had a guardrail. They had a warning sign. God said, do not eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because if you do, you will surely die. And they did. God's perspective is that, is that sin leads to separation from God and separation from God is spiritual death and spiritual death is that place called hell. Sin is a big deal to God because hell is a real place. There is one place, there is one area in the universe where God voluntarily restricts his control. And that is your will. He will not force anyone to love him or to worship him. And so hell is a big deal because it's a real place. 71% of Americans believe there's a heaven, but only 32% believe there's a hell. But if there is no hell, then the Bible's a lie because it so speaks of it. And if there is no hell, then why would Jesus speak more about it than heaven? And if there is no hell, then Jesus suffered for nothing. He sacrificed himself for nothing. Hell is a, a real place, but hell is also a place of pain. Now, I know that for some of us, hell was being up on that roof yesterday, tearing off three layers of shingles in temperatures like Death Valley. But last week, I cut my finger. I was, I was not respecting my tools, and I cut my finger on my razor blade knife. And Tammy sees my finger. She's like, oh, my gosh, you got to put liquid Band-Aid on that. Like, go put liquid Band-Aid on it, like, right now. And I'm like, no, it's okay. I'll do it later. She, she's so adamant about it. She goes to the bathroom. She comes out with this little bottle. She goes, put this on. I go, okay. So I'm unscrewing the, I'm, I'm unscrewing the cap. I glance at the label. It was liquid wart remover. <laughs> I don't even know why we have liquid wart remover. Maybe it was for a bunion or something. But I, I almost put that on my cut. Like, it probably would have stung. But then I put the liquid Band-Aid on. Huh? I had a whole new perspective on hell. It was like, now I think of hell as like being flogged like Jesus was with your flesh torn apart and then being dunked in a vat of liquid Band-Aid over and over and over like Groundhog's Day movie. But... The truth is, is like when we die, our body decays in the ground and it's our soul that goes on to eternity, whether in heaven or separated from God and, and hell. And, and so maybe it's not physical pain, maybe it's the emotional anguish and remorse of knowing you can never go back. It's a place of pain. It's also a place of, of permanence. 
Jesus said, it's the, the, the worm doesn't die. The fire doesn't get quenched. It doesn't go out. But here's some good news is that Jesus' disciple, Peter, after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected, Peter writes this letter. He writes letters to, this, to the churches in Asia Minor and, in, Minor, and in his second letter, he says this. But the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to a place of repentance. Because heaven is life. It is life to the fullest. It's like the moment you step out of this life into eternal eternity, you are stepping, believer, you are stepping into life to the fullest, like ultimate joy and peace and love and laughter and, and relationship and everything good. But hell is also a place of popularity. Jesus said, that narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few find it. But wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction, and many enter it. So why would you want to lead anyone into sin? Why would you want to follow the crowd and lead yourself into sin? You're already accepted you already have approval because God just loves you. Not because you deserve it, but because he just loves you. You're accepted, you're approved by the God who doesn't want you to be separated from him. So let me give you some practical application. And this application, guys, this is, this is aside from the fact that we cannot resist temptation, we cannot help but lead someone into sin or ourselves into sin if we aren't already connecting with God. Because we have two natures. We have this sinful nature that just, that just kind of is bent on doing things we shouldn't do. And then we have, Christian, we have God's Holy Spirit in us that has awakened and revived our soul, our spirit. And so now we have the Holy Spirit guiding us, helping us, empowering us. But we can, we can push down God's Holy Spirit. We cannot feed our spirit with God's powerful words of spiritual food. We can not feed our spirit by connecting with God in prayer and having that relationship. I mean, after all, isn't it harder to hurt someone you love? We gotta feed our spirits, not just Sunday mornings, because the spirit in us, our, our spirit person can overcome the fleshly person, the sinful nature, if we press into God. So aside from that, here's some practical application. First, stay away from the edge. I mean, we love to get as close to the edge as we can, don't we? When I taught Sunday school at my past church, um, 
we had, it was probably 45 to 60 kids per service. And so we had a lot of parents and a lot of people coming to drop off the kids to the next service or parents coming to get their kids from the service. And so I put this yellow tape on the floor near the doorway. And I said, kids, uh, when your parents are coming to get you, you gotta stand behind this tape because they've gotta be able to come in and out, you know? And so you know what they would do, of course, is, is they would get right up to the edge of that tape. And then I turn around and, and all of a sudden, and there their toes are just over a little bit. And I go do something else, I come back and they're now like, their heels like barely on it. Like we wanna push the edge. We wanna get as close as we can. Pastor Kevin, I, I know that I, I've struggled with alcohol, but I'm, I'm, just gonna, I'm, just going, I'm just gonna hang out at the bar with my friends, I'm not gonna drink. Listen, I love lemonade. A nice chilled glass of homemade lemonade is so good. I can't imagine not being able to have lemonade in the summertime. But if one glass of lemonade could cause me to drink another glass of lemonade, which could cause me to drink maybe another glass, if it could cause me to say things and do things that I wish I hadn't later, if it could cause me to be abusive towards my spouse, if it could cause me to get in an accident, maybe kill somebody or myself, or even kill my liver, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go hang out at a lemonade stand. You know what I'm saying? Pastor Kevin, uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I mean, it's just a text message to my coworker. I mean, it's just a little flirting. Look, guys, set up a guardrail. Do a group text. Include your spouse. I'm just going to lunch with them. It's not, go to lunch with a, a third person. Like, put up some guardrails. My sons, when I, I gave them an iPhone, I put on parental restrictions. One day I went to look at their phone and I looked up their Google searches because parents, you have a right to take your kid's phone or your grandkid's phone and look at it. And I looked at his Google searches and it says, how to get around parental restrictions. So I changed his screensaver to something kind of strong, you know what I'm saying? I had two men come to me at the church I worked at before here. They said, Pastor Kevin, we're having a hard, I'm just having a hard, they individually came to me, I'm just having a hard time with pornography, like I can't stop doing it, can you give me some spiritual guidance? I said, the first thing you gotta do, guys, is you gotta connect with Jesus because first of all, you, you cannot get out of pornography on your own strength. You have got to connect with God. You've gotta build up your spirit man so he can overcome your fleshly man. But besides that, give me your phone if you trust me. Okay, here's my phone. Okay, cool, now that I have your phone, can I put some parental restrictions on? Sure. So I did, and I put in the password, and I was the only one who knew the password. A month later, one of them comes back, 
and says, can you take off the password, please? It's hard. You've got to connect with God first. But set up restrictions. If you're at work and you're on your computer and you see some explicit stuff coming over when you're doing a Google search, tell your boss, boss, can you please put some restrictions on our office computers because I don't want to stumble across something I shouldn't be stumbling across. You know what I'm saying? Parental controls. I had this, uh, I had this ninja when I was in college. I traded my Volkswagen, my, my baby blue bug, 1956, for this cafe-style racing ninja that my best friend had. And I remember coming back from San Diego to Orange County. It was a long drive, right? It was nighttime. I wanted to get back. Now, when you're on like a ninja, you can't do 65. You can do 65 miles an hour, but there was no way I could. I looked down. I'm doing 120 miles an hour at night. There was no way I would see a ladder in the road. There was no way I'd see a some trash in my lane. I was like, I got to get rid of this thing before I kill myself. If that's you, there's something that's hindering you, get rid of it. Encourage your sons and daughters to get rid of stuff that could harm their children. My wife and I, we were watching Netflix one night. Our kids were younger. <laughs> and it's late at night, the kids have already gone to bed, like maybe an hour or two at least. And we're watching this movie, and all of a sudden, we realize one of my sons is standing in the doorway watching what we're watching, the reflection of the li big living room mirror. We had no idea how long he had been standing there for. What if, while my wife and I were sitting on the couch and we're searching Netflix, like, we see this movie that maybe we shouldn't watch, like maybe rated MA for mature audiences. And yeah, there's that conviction, but you know, the picture looks so like interesting and like we, we start watching it. What if we were watching something like that and my son was standing there watching it too? Not only would we, be a, we would have been leading ourselves in sin, but we would have been leading my son in sin, which would have caused the death of some of his innocence. Just because it's a Netflix original or because it's trending doesn't mean you should watch it. Stay away from the edge and put up guardrails. If you need to know how to put restrictions on electronics, you can Google it. Leading into sin is a big deal because, because hell is real. It's a place of pain. It's a place of permanence. It's a place of popularity. And when those three young adults climbed over that guardrail at Vernal Fall, there was already a man on the other side holding his little young child who was screaming because she was scared because he was holding her next to the edge of the water while his other teenage daughter took a picture. 
And I wonder, was the fact that he was on the other side of the guardrail a motivation, a thought in Ramina's mind and the two young men that it's okay to go over? And if that's the case, then he partnered with them in their death. He didn't die, but he partnered with them, and that would mean that he would be sharing in the punishment of that sin. We don't want to lead anyone in sin. We don't want to partner with any of that, even ourselves. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for uh, just the reminder that separation from you is, is, a, is an awful thing. But that you love us, you gave us free will, and Jesus, even you, you took care of the punishment of hell because you took it upon yourself. And you were flogged and your flesh was ripped open. Thank you that you love us that much. Lord, I pray if anyone is in this congregation or listening by podcasts that has never surrendered their life to you, that they would and that your spirit would fill them and give them strength and revive them. In your name I pray, amen.